Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the old man who's got a heart of gold, and he's the epitome of rocking in the free world. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hami. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He is the host of the podcast Broken Record which features interviews from Rick Rubin, Malcolm Gladwell, former New York Times editor Bruce Headlam, and he also gets to do some interviews uh, in addition to his hosting duties. So please welcome to the podcast, Justin Richmond. Glad to be here. Super happy. Thrilled. Fantastic. So premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but we ask the all-important question at the beginning of each of our episodes. So Let's start with Justin. What T-shirt are you wearing? So I'm wearing uh, a Neil Young T-shirt just for this. Episode. It is my favorite shirt my fav- for my favorite artist, right? And it, it, we were talking about my favorite record by my favorite artist today. Am I supposed to get that away this early? I don't know. Otherwise, I did uh, it. Sure, you can. Yeah. Just did it. And uh, this shirt is uh, – from an, uh, an illustrator in Australia who just makes some shots. I, have a, I also have a, um, um, a great uh, Warren Zevon shirt and, uh, like from her. And so she just drew this amazing Neil Young portrait and slapped it on a shirt. And I bought it like a sucker for, you know, shipped it all the <laughs> way from Australia. And I happened to be wearing it uh, around Neil accidentally one day at a studio. I was at a studio taping something and Neil happened to be there. And he, he and he pointed at it and said, "Nice shirt." And uh, I was equal parts embarrassed and proud and 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 all those things. And I, I couldn't even say anything. I just said, uh, uh, "I just smiled and looked like an idiot." <laughs> and that's why this is my favorite. I mean, it was my favorite shirt, anyways. And now it's it's been blessed by the man himself. So my absolute absolute favorite. That is awesome. That's awesome. So Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, you know what? I wanted to do something uh, to tip my hat to Neil uh, Pert. So uh, I looked at the the rush shirts on Amazon. The only way I could get it in two days, and I didn't wasn't super happy. So I always remember him playing Tama drums, but I looked and he switched to uh, DW like for test for Echo. So I got a DW drums shirt. Okay, excellent. Um, so I am wearing a a shirt that I got for Christmas. So um, I told my kids that I wanted just to for them to get me Prince things. So I've got a, uh, I'm wearing a, a purple rain t-shirt. It's just the, the logo purple rain. Um, and I told them that I wanted the purple rain soundtrack and bless their hearts. They got me the purple single for purple rain, which, um, you know, I appreciated that they, they did that, but uh, they didn't buy me the soundtrack. And I said, well, I told you that I wanted the soundtrack. Yeah, but it was way cheaper if we just got you this purple one. Uh, <laughs> cost effectiveness. These kids are on a budget. I guess I have taught them something about being being frugal. So I guess, I guess <laughs> I've got that going for me. <laughs> well, that's, you know. I, I have a uh, purple single of Prince's also, the one Doves Cry one. So Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good, it is. So let's let's jump into this. So um so I love Broken Record. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And you know, how can it not be? 
considering that you've had such great guests and I already love Malcolm Cladwell. Like I tell everyone who, who, who are looking for podcast recommendations, I just tell them, I'm like, look, revisionist history. It's my favorite podcast bar none. Um, I have a lot of second favorites, but revisionist history is definitely number one for me. So it is a good podcast. It is fantastic. So, so I love how we got connected. Usually, at least, uh, I don't know, every other week, I'll retweet some other podcast episodes, you know, because, you know, that whole do unto others as you want done to you. You know, I want people to share my podcast as well. So so I retweeted about the the Tanya Tucker episode that you guys did with Rick Rubin and Brandy Carlisle, which was just amazing. What a great episode. And so after some some back and forth uh, between you and me on Twitter. You know, I reached out to you and said, you should come on my podcast. And um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we were able to connect and here you are. Me too, man. I love the premise. I'm excited to do this. I, I love, I love getting into albums, especially. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've kind of, um, all my friends know I love Neil and I love Prince and I like, I kind of love both equally. They're kind of just my number ones. And so, you know, I've kind of, I've talked, I'm kind of, I've talked to most of my friends out about Neil and, and Prince. So glad to have some new friends here to, to talk <laughs> yeah. to you. <laughs> you haven't heard my shtick before. That's so. right. So, so how did you get connected with Rick and Malcolm and Bruce to, to, to do Broken Record? Uh, I got connected I was doing a so I got connected through one of my old bosses. I had a um, and, and also a good friend of my name, a good friend of mine named Ben Manila, um, and so he used to produce Dan Aykroyd's uh, blues show. And so when I was living in San Francisco, I was helping him out with that quite a bit, um, and that was pretty fun. Uh, I ended up moving down to LA, and I, you know, continued working in radio and. The the executive producer of Malcolm's new company, the head producer of Malcolm's Revisionist History podcast, knew my friend Ben, I'm old boss, and reached out and said, "Hey, do you know anyone who's you know can can you know knows podcasting and, and knows audio and lives into music and lives in the LA area?" And he, he recommended me, and and then so uh, I went, I chatted with her, went and met Malcolm in Santa Monica when he happened to be in town. And and then Rick had evacuated to Hawaii because of the Malibu fires. And so I got an email from him saying, you know, hey, we should talk if you're going to do this. So then um, two days later, I was flying out to Hawaii to hang with Rick and kind of chat with him about the podcast. And and then that was it. And then we kind of got off to the races. So it's, uh, it's definitely eclectic as far as the, the guests that you've, the, that you all have had on. I mean, er- yeah. everybody from, you know, Jack White to uh, to 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 Yola to Rex Orange County, which I, I went I went back and looked at the Broken Record website, and I wanted to see if there were any episodes that maybe I missed. And um, I think that well, I'm just going to tell on myself because there's only <laughs> one over the course of the three seasons that I didn't listen to. And um, that was the pentatonics episode. Okay, I'm just not an acapella guy, and w- <laughs> you know I'm not either. But I gotta say, um, I listened to that episode and those songs. You know, of course, as you do, you know, you edit this. I I, I edit that podcast, and 
you know, I listened to that episode and those songs over and over and over and over again. The editing process, I really learned to appreciate what they do. You know, yeah. Um, it's and and, I, and and the way they break it down, I am not an acapella person by any means. But yeah, they kind of they they. Uh, it was a nice. It was an interesting insight into that world, though, and 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 maybe the only one will do. I don't know. Although, who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, I'm just appreciative that uh, you know you guys turned me on to some new music because I I was not aware or maybe. I knew of FKA Twigs, but I oh. never really dove into her music. Um, and and Yola, like I didn't know her at all, and I'm now in love with her. Like her voice great. is just great, blows you away. She blows you away, man. It's fantastic, it's just incredible. Yeah, I love her. So I bet your favorite episode last season was the uh, the Wyclef episode that you did. You got to interview. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't my favorite. I mean, yes, and I mean, uh, I don't know, man. I think I think maybe it was the Tanya one. I, I, okay. I can't. That was such a fun day. But yeah, the Y Club one was for me personally, yeah, incredible. Yeah, because I was such I was just such a Fuji's sort of you know fan as a as a kid, you know. And um, usually you hate the music you're subjected to by your parents, but you know that was something my mom listened to all the time, and it just just seeped into my my bones. And yeah, so it was really fun. It was nice to just find out that he was like a great person, and just you know, it was a fun it was a fun hang. Yeah, that's cool. So let's go yeah. let's go back to the whole concept of me like listening to every single episode because yeah, yeah. E- even when I don't particularly like a certain episode or or a certain artist. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what we want to try and figure out because we do, you know, we we're pretty eclectic as well as far as the the episodes that we've done. We're we're definitely at the disposal of our guest. So, like we just did a Janis Joplin episode, which is going to come out soon. Um, I I'm not a Janis fan, but me either. By the way. Yeah, there was some appreciation there, though, of of what she did, and but I'm I'm sure that the people who are listening to my to the the episodes that we did of like in excess kick are not going to listen to the Janice episodes, for instance. So, so how how do you get people to listen to every episode? <laughs> right, I gotta say the truth of it is, you know, they probably don't. You know, um, I'm I'm not sure that there isn't necessarily an overlap there there are certain people like you thank you who do listen to every episode and there are some people who you know they pick and choose and i think that's sort of the way it's going to be for us given we want to keep things eclectic because our tastes are eclectic and um we don't ever kind of want to be seen as just a rock podcast or a hip-hop podcast or a country podcast or you know any of those things or a podcast that only does stuff from rick's catalog or anything like that you know we, we want to kind of be unpredictable and and do interesting things and so you know we hope people listen we think every episode is strong enough that if you weren't a fan you might there'd be something in it that you could appreciate enjoy or like you we think you'll discover something about the person that might make you a fan i know there's a number of people who like you discovered yola through, through our podcast and and rex orange county through our podcast and there's people who listen to our tyler episode that loved the jack white Vernon benson episode the raconteurs one and ended up loving tyler and so we do get some of that and i hope that happens more and more and more but i you know there might not be a ton of crossover 
We have yeah. to live with that. We'll just have to live with that. That's fine. Right. Right. All right. So you, we just live with it. Well, I, I don't know. What can you do? You know? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I can't, you can't give in to the people, right? You want to, it's like, you want to, uh, you know, truth be told, I've never been, um, a big Leonard Cohen fan, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that the episode with his son is it's one of my favorites. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, it was really favorites. good. Yeah. So, so I, so I threw this question out to another podcast host and interviewer that we had on a, a couple months ago. So usually, usually people are going to ask you who you want to have on your podcast. I, I reverse it. Who do you not want to have come on your <laughs> podcast? Like, like I don't think I would ever want to have Neil. On on my podcast, I I love Neil, but I but I've listened to interviews like I, I listened to his interview that he he did with Marin. Like it literally took Marin twenty minutes to get anything out of Neil. So yeah. so and he's one of my heroes. Yes, but I don't is. I don't he's, I don't, he's he doesn't enjoy in person. I love him to death. He's but he's right. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't in, he doesn't enjoy interviews and I know that he would absolutely hate our format. You know, like <laughs> if I if I gave him score this record, he'd look at me and just go, "No, nah, I'm not I'm not doing that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So, That's true. So so who would you not um, want to have on Broken Record? Not want to have on Broken Record. Um I can say there's been, you know, not that not not that it was really ever clearly possible but it was at some point a bit kind of on the table but no one was quite sure if they really it was like who does anyone really wanted was sort of a neil-like figure also bob dylan at some point had come up someone who knew him was saying hey maybe for this thing and it was like wow but does anyone like we all love him of course but it's the prospect is a little a little frightening you know um you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if he's going to be mean. You don't know if he's going to, you, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, you know, that's hard to say because I still would want Bob Dylan on. Right, right. Um, and I don't want to be mean is <laughs> the other one. All right, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at Bob. That's that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> Will that work? Will that work? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so with a quick Google search, uh, I see that you're also on faculty at Cal State Long Beach. Is that correct? Yeah. What do you what do you what do you teach there? Uh, teach uh, multimedia journalism, intro to multimedia journalism there. Yeah. And uh, speaking of multimedia, so we're recording this episode the day after iHeartMedia <laughs> just laid off a ton of people. Mostly, mostly they're on-air personalities. So, what's uh, what's the state of radio? Ooh, um, that's. I know it's a loaded uh, question. That's, yeah, that is loaded. And I, you know, I just left radio to be, you know, I was an NPR prior to to this podcast. And uh, the state of radio, I mean, it's a precarious sort of place. You know, it sort of feels like. Um, you know, it's like much of legacy media, like any of the legacy channels on TV, like ABC, NBC, you just, you know, the big things sort of work and then the little things just kind of don't at this point, right? And it used to be that the big things were big enough to sort of subsidize the little things so there was enough of an audience that little things brought in just enough to, but at this point, man, it's like if you're not a giant, you know, like if you're not the, if you're not the Ryan Seacrest show in the morning, uh, you know, at iHeart, you know, on iHeart, then it's like, I would say it's kind of not a safe 
space to be at the moment, not a safe place to be at the moment, you know? No, it is not. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little worried. Yeah. You guys kind of went through this, or maybe you didn't, but but I know Malcolm Malcolm did last year when Panoply shut down its podcasting division. So it's not, oh, not directly even... related to radio, but, uh, you know, they they kind of went through that. Yeah, but, but you know, anytime that happens, even though I wasn't even, I was just in radio at the time, I wasn't even in, in podcasting, they shut their audio division. But anytime you saw that sort of thing, it was it's still worrying, you know, it's a small community. And so you, you kind of, when you're doing it professionally, you kind of take notice of that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's scary. But, you know, um, radio in some form will always be around and still be fun and um and and so you know i don't know i try not to worry about it too much but yeah it doesn't seem like it's in a, in a good place radio i gotta, you gotta say no so how about the future of podcasting where we're seems bright you- seems bright i would say the prognosis is good i don't uh you know it's you know places like npr even though they've done you know it 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 seems like it's taken them a long time to really step into podcasting but the fact that you really see them really end up and you know really prioritizing it these days goes to show you that i think it's um and and a lot of other media organizations are prioritizing podcasting now you know um and so you know i think it's got a, a, a you know for the foreseeable future, things look good for podcasting, I'd say, you know? So let's get even more specific. How about, how about the future for music podcasting? Cause that there, again, that there's a, a very mm. specific niche. Yeah. Music and me. So music podcasting, the future. So hard to say, I got to say there's, there, you know, there hasn't been, uh, you know, there was song song exploder was maybe the first one I knew of, and then um, maybe you know the podcast or a couple. You know, there was a couple of, but it's hard to do a music podcast because of the licensing aspect. You want to be able to play music and talk about music, but if you get the, the, the kind of catch twenty two is if you get big enough, you you want to and you want to have listeners as a podcast. But if you become sort of big enough as a podcast, you become rec- recognizable, then you you, you know you you're going to get in trouble for not licensing music and. Then once you start trying to license music, and we do license our music, it gets quite expensive. Um, I, you know, I would love for that sort of to. I would love to see that sort of get solved um, in, in the near future. And I think if that kind of problem gets solved, then I think um, music podcasting becomes exponentially better and more robust and interesting. But you know, we'll sort of see what happens there because the licensing is tough, man. Yeah. And that's why we uh, we don't have sponsors, we don't have advertisers, and we st- stand by our uh, our our motto that we are a critical and editorial type of podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Um, hopefully, we don't get in trouble for for <laughs> for our sound clips as well. Oh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. yeah, because because I mean, honestly, what we what we are kind of doing here is we're turning people on to new musicians that they're not aware of. And then secondly, we're making them aware of some records that maybe have kind of slipped through the cracks. I mean, we, we talk, we talked before we started recording, um, well with, with Wayne, where you said, you know, I, I didn't really know on the beach by Neil Young. Yeah. I, yeah, I was telling Justin, I had never heard of, I'd never heard of it. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. 
So, so Justin, how, do, how are you discovering new music or do you, or are you at that certain age where you're just like, eh, this is, this is my lane. And, you know, I'm listening to old Neil Young records and I'm listening to, <laughs> you know, what, whatever. And, and I'm not really discovering anything new. What's, uh, what's, what's your, what's your philosophies on, on music these days? Well, well I learned, I don't remember the exact terms that, um, that that Henry Rollins uses, but I sort of long time ago learned from an interview that he did, and I've since borrowed it. That you know he has uh, listening for pleasure, and he has like kind of listening for work. He has much more. He has like two very funny names for the way he he categorizes it. I wish I could remember them, but you know he does a lot of just listening that he absolutely hates, but it's just because he wants to hear new things, discover new things, push himself as a listener, push himself as a music lover, and you know. So even if he he'll listen to the whole record even if he hates it, just to sort of know what's happening. So I do a lot of, I do, so I do a lot of listening for pleasure, which is a lot of old Neil Young stuff, a lot of, a ton of old jazz, um, all, you know, kind of, you know, everything. But then I do, I do do a lot of just like forcing myself to listen to all the new stuff coming out. And I often like, uh, often dislike a lot of it and I often like a lot of it. And, um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I I listen to a lot of new things and I I discover things through through uh, Spotify and YouTube and also through blogs and through um, different uh, you know through through Instagram. I mean, just all the different channels now, right? I mean, I used to be much rely much more just on on blogs and um, and going to the record store. Tougher to do now, so now I yeah, you know I'm on Instagram. It's been, Spotify and I'm listening to the radio and I listen to KCRW here in LA a lot. And, you know, I hear, hear a number of things I really love and um, less SoundCloud these days. But yeah, I, I kind of go as many places as possible, cast a wide net and just try to listen to all the sort of things happening. And sometimes it, sometimes it, it, it pays off. Sometimes it, sometimes it's just, it's torture. I got to be honest, but <laughs> right. I, I continue, I, I continue on. Yeah. My, my, uh, my, 17 year old daughter gives me crap all the time because she's like, I think you're a bigger Harry Styles fan than, than I am. <laughs> I got, the, I haven't listened to his new record yet, but I really, I need it. I've been meaning to listen. It's good. Yeah. It's good. good. I, I don't, I, I don't like it as much as the, 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 the first solo record, but okay. it's good. They, People yeah, seem to really some, like this one. So I, I wanted to. Yeah. Check. Yeah. There's some good, there's some good stuff on it. Um, what's what's a a band right now that i should be i should be checking out that maybe i don't i don't know Hmm. this is this is opportunity for us to to share share what we're listening to these days what are you listening to so a, a new artist i've really been into not a band necessarily but uh um you know just a young great artist uh vagabond what was the name again vagabond Vagabond. Yeah. Okay. And she's like a great kind of singer, songwriter. Uh, really been loving her her music. Uh, and slow, band specifically. Yeah. Let me. Uh, okay. The Garcia uh, Peoples. Paint. I've been loving Paint. Um, Ron Gallo, who kind of breaks his time up between uh, Nashville and Italy. Uh, Sam Sam Gendel or Gendel, I never know how to pr- pronounce his name, but he's a great uh, horn player from here in LA. He's gone on tour with uh, Ry Cooters, but a Ry Cooters band now. 
Um, oh, cool. a young kid from LA and he's been putting out some really cool stuff and he just had a new record come out. I've got to listen to, but the previous one that I really loved was uh, music for saxophone and bass guitar. And it was all recorded live on a street corner in LA. They're just busking and recorded it. And it sounds amazing though. And, you know, they did some stuff in the studio and, 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 and altered it, but really cool stuff. Um, uh, and Garcia peoples, which I said, Dick Stuso from Oakland is really awesome. Um, Man, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're you're turning me on to 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 some new artists that I I don't I don't know of all those people that you listed, I only know Ron Gallo. Oh yeah, Ron's great, man. Dick Stuso, yeah. I think you would love. You should check out Dick Stuso. Uh, okay. The In Heaven record is is great. All right. Yeah. So um so let's transition over to the uh, the record that you chose. Actually, so one last question mm-hmm. before we jump into that. We we've been asking all of our all of our guests their opinion of Toto's Africa. Is that a good or a bad song? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's great, man. <laughs> you know, I love it. I mean, you know, I I would lo- it's a, I would love I love like many. If you had asked me this ten years ago, you know. I would have hated the Eagles. I would have hated Leonard Skinner. I would have told you the Toto. I lo- I love Steve Lukather, man. You know what can I say, man? You write some catchy stuff. It's it's a good song. It's, uh, that's the right answer, I'm- Justin. <laughs> <laughs> My opinion is often on a lot of things. Music, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Wayne, Wayne and I have now been. I think we've been doing this this question for almost a year now, right? It's it's been a while. It seems like forever. It it does. We're, does we're say they, how many people say they dislike it? I think more people like it than dislike it at this point. Yeah, we're we're at uh, where, what's my numbers now? Um, it's about. Uh, I'm getting. I'm 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 three scores down at least. You you, you are <laughs> you are at least three scores down. Um, yeah. I th- games think, games not over. Yeah, you're. We're at thirty one four twelve against, and then one we put in a special category because Matthew Ryan went all Ayn Rand on us and wouldn't answer the question. So, Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Which I believe in and of itself was an answer. It's it's an answer. We probably should just put it in the the no category just, you know, because you need all the scores you can get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't put it in there when it was closer. Now that it's starting to turn into a – Notre Dame versus West Tennessee State. Now he wants to. Now he's now he's fine with it. Just remember who's who's the main host here, right? <laughs> That's right. It's your podcast. That's Wayne, right. I got to say, I, I understand why. You, I mean, I, I get I get all the reasons why you would dislike it, man. I, I I can I can understand that, but I don't. You know, what can you? Good songs are good song, <laughs> man. You know. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Justin, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. All right, well, I already gave away the artist when I said Neil Young, but it is my favorite artist by uh, my favorite album by uh, my my one of my favorite artists, and uh, it is Neil Young's "On the Beach." All right, so uh, what were some other records that you 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 thought about choosing? Oh boy, yeah. So I um, this was the first one that came to my mind because it probably truly is my favorite. Um, but then I started thinking about other ones that I also really love and, you know, band of gypsies came to mind and, um, and, uh, and then I, I, I messaged you 
Ash had already said on the beach, wondering if we could switch to Led Zeppelin's uh, BBC Sessions Disc 2, which is their uh, uh, Paris Theatre concert from 71. Um, because it's, you know, even though it's a, it's on the BBC Sessions, it was one concert. I You know, you could view it as an album, a live album. I don't know if that would count. Yeah. You said it was a bit, it was kind of cheating, but, you know. Well, it was, it was more of a... a- I knew what kind of pushback I was going to get from my co-host Wayne because <laughs> uh, after we did after we did an episode for James Taylor's greatest hits, after we were done, he was like, "That was great, but no more greatest hits records. That's that's cheating." So you know, there's I some greatest like, hits records. I got sure some greatest hits records like Neil's decade that. Oh, it's amazing. It feel less like greatest hits and more like actual parts of the catalog, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the the Eagles, you know, uh, their greatest hits. Once again, it, of course, it is a greatest hits. It's a compilation, but it does feel more like a part of their catalog than a lot of other artists' greatest hits, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. it, it, it kind of anchors itself in there in this interesting way, I, I would say, you know? But it, but you know, I understand. I understand. But you know, it's it's cool, and it, it, it gives me another opportunity to talk about Neil. I kind of thought maybe I'll talk about something new for change. Talk some Zep, some Led Zeppelin. But you know, it's cool. Well, we'll we'll have you back on. Yeah, Paul Simon self titled. I really wanted to do yeah. too. Oh my gosh, I really want to do that. Yeah, you th- you you threw that at me as well, and I was like, we'll have you back on to talk Paul Simon. That's <laughs> I'm 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 I'd be down with that. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. All right, so let's get some bio info on this record. So this is Neil's fifth studio record, and I wanted to highlight that on the studio record because if you're looking at his discography, the album that came before On the Beach was the live record Time Fades Away, Um, and that consisted of some previously unreleased material, um, some live stuff, and um, so... Yeah, there were there was some some interesting stuff in his discography. So, really, if you're looking for what is the follow up to Harvest, this is pretty much it, right? This is technically it. Yeah, there was a soundtrack journey through the past. There was a the, the, you know, it's a weird kind of record that doesn't. I don't think they really count it as part of his official discography. Um, yeah. And then yeah, then there's Time Fades Away, which is a document uh, a compilation you know a document of the of the harvest tour that's basically the tour that he did in support of harvest which sounds nothing really like the album um and then it's on the beach even though he recorded tonight's the night first so it's sort of like a abbey road let it be situation so on the beach was recorded after tonight's the night but released first um like let it be was recorded first but released after abbey road but, yeah. yeah so but this is technically the, the you know the pub this was what the public heard after harvest as sort of as a first real artistic statement and it's different it's, it's different it's it it's definitely different what what do you think the pushback would have been had he put out tonight's the night as the follow-up to harvest before this Cause, cause when I, when I listen to tonight's night and I, and I love tonight's night, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's great, but it's, it is dark. It's, uh, you know, I, I just looking at some of the, the original, you know, reviews from Rolling Stone. So Rolling Stone called on the beach, one of the most despairs, despairing albums of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is pretty funny, considering that you know tonight's the night 
is even more despairing and dark and bleak. Um, I guess I should have looked at Rolling Stone's review of tonight's the night <laughs> to see what they would have said about that. But I, I didn't cause I kept it, kept the focus on, on the yeah, beach, but yeah. I, I think it would have been uh, honestly, even though t- tonight's the night uh, on the beach is bleak, but it's not as dark, you know, like tonight's the night is dark, but I, I do think if you put out tonight's the night first, kind of as it, as it came out, if he had just literally just switched them um, and not mess with, tr- any of the tracks or anything i think tonight's night would have fared better actually because i think they probably would have put out some of the like mellow my mind or roll another number for the road or new mama i I feel like those tracks those would have been the lead singles and i think it would have kind of been more in line with what people were expecting and then it would have been one of those things it was like a bait and switch where then they pick up the album and they're like what is this you know but i think those would have been the lead singles and it would have felt closer to what he did with harvest there's not much on here on on the beach that you could even release as a single and feel like uh you're in harvest territory yeah that's that that's very true i could do a whole episode on on mellow mellow my mind i could do a whole whole episode about uh including the simply red cover you you've heard that one no i haven't oh it's good it's different just keep in mind it's simply red but um, anyways, I digress on this. Uh, Let's check it out. Yeah. So, so we talk about the Rolling Stone lists all the time on this, on this podcast. There was a reader's poll of the favorite Neil Young records on the beach came in at number five, just oh. ahead of Russ never sleeps. Um, tonight's the night was number four. Any surprise what uh, number one is? Harvest. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, two is after what, the gold rush. After the gold rush, and what do you think number three is? Uh, number three, uh, Harvest Moon. No, everybody knows this is nowhere. Well, okay, wow. I was going to say that, then I thought maybe uh, yeah, that was the only other Neil album I knew, and I I <laughs> couldn't pull the trigger. <laughs> um, what what was the readers pulled done? Do you know? It does not. There we go. Uh, Two thousand twelve. 2012. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so it's been a while, and I don't think any anything from the you know the last eight years is probably going to crack that list. There's there's some good stuff. Prairie Wind is is a good album, but not not anywhere close to the the five that we just mentioned. No. No. No, no, there's, there's not much there. Psychedelic. I mean, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff. Other stuff I like, but nothing kind of, nothing of this, yeah, caliber. No. That's for sure. No. All right. Um, well, let's jump into it. So, as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs on the record? Only eight. Which means top songs going to get eight points. Next favorite seven. On down to our least favorite gets one point let's start it off this is walk on
Discogs that this was released as a single, but I couldn't find any info as to if it even charted at all, which probably means it didn't. And I don't. And I, I think that this was the only single that they that they released off of this record. And this is the only song that I don't know. There's a that by record industry standards seems like a single because uh, I don't know. It just seems like not so much. It's a little bit polished, and it feels like it has a little bit more work into it. Because some of my some of my comments about some of the other songs could be tightened up, and this one it feels like he was maybe trying to appease somebody at Warner Brothers. Like, here you go, here's something you can play on the radio. But the and I'm not completely comfortable with that as because I'm used to Neil Young being uh, angry and kind of a kind of all over the place, and this was kind of tightened up. And I'm not. And also, is he saying, "Don't worry, be happy." It, it feels like this is Neil Young yeah. saying that. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. It's it's and it, 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 I love this song and it, it's a great opener, but it doesn't really. It, it's it the it never feels like it fits with the album to me. Um, yeah, it's the one song that's uh, it completely. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, it does not. It's completely polar opposite of the other seven songs. But it's kind of brilliant to start with it because it does. You when you put it on, it's like oh great, walk on, and then you're kind of just in. Then you kind of just go with whatever happens next. But it's so it's like it's a complete just sort of uh, yeah yeah. He really tricks you there, you know. And I think he's kind of laying down the gauntlet as well. Like in the first verse, the first you know the first thing he he says is I hear some people been talking me down, and then skipping ahead to the end of that verse, he's like they do their thing, I'll do mine. And that was kind of the attitude that he had after Harvest. He was like, oh, people really like that record? Mm, I don't want to make another Harvest. Yeah. And he didn't. At least I don't think he did. I mean, I there were some people that said, you know, Harvest Moon was his, you know, follow-up to, to Harvest. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't buy it. No, I like this song. And, you know, I, I don't know how, like, and even though it does feel like the song that's, closest to a single on here i do wonder what the labels would have thought of what the label or radio would have thought of you know some get stoned some get strange i I don't know how tolerated that kind of stuff was on the radio in 72 or not but um yeah still a little maybe maybe that was the reason they released it as a single and no radio station played it yeah could could be as well yeah it just it to me it was i don't know he's just so I mean, like you had discussed with him doing interviews, he's so abrasive in a lot of ways that, and he definitely has an anti-establishment uh, feel to him. So this, I never was very, I just never was comfortable with this. I gave it a, a pretty low score, but not for it being a bad song, but just for, I guess I just couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around Neil Young being so laissez-faire about, you know, they don't remember the good times and remember when we were just a young band and starting out and playing all night for no money. He seems very easygoing and and ready to move on, which doesn't doesn't strike me as 
at Neil Young's normal mood. Yeah. You know how, it, Wayne, in the last two episodes that we did that we uh, agreed on top scores and our lowest scores? Oh, we didn't do it again, did we? No, absolutely we did oh, not. Okay, we, we listened yeah. to two different records, good. I think. So. Awesome. Perfect. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, we're we're back. We're back to the 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 differences in the in the co-hosts. So here we go. All right. Well, let's get some scores based off of that. So Wayne, what's your score? I gave it a two. And then Justin, uh, I gave Walk On a six. And then I'm giving it a seven. So it this was one of the songs that I did like on the record a lot. So moving on to see the sky about to rain. And so I have some problems with this song. So Young throws in a remake of his Harvest Era song. It'd been covered by the Birds a year earlier on their eponymous album. Did you guys listen to the Birds version of yeah. this song? Yeah, I like the Birds version. I, I didn't. Yeah. Um, Cowgirl in the Sand was also on that Birds record. The, the the on the birds record it's sung primarily by gene clark there's some great harmonies it seems way too polished uh, just listening to the birds version because i know neil's version best because i know this record um and you know that neil typically records without a whole lot of polish oh yeah is that sure. yeah so there are a number of versions already in existence um, he had been playing this song live. If you look at the, the live at Massey Hall from 1971, that's in the title. So he was already, re- you know, singing this song a couple years before this record even came out. So I guess my question is, why do you even put this song on this record, considering that it's already out there in the atmosphere? Oh, and being somebody who hasn't listened to a ton of it, I thought it fit. It fit pretty well okay. along the lines of, of what, you know, the rest of at least the two through eight. Okay. How about you, Justin? I, I, I know what your score is, so I'm, I'm curious on your, your opinion of, of yeah. this song and its place on this record. I like this song and it does fit the record for me. But it doesn't quite do what the rest of the record does for me, um, and I'm I, I, I've often I've struggled with it. I'm n- I've never been quite sure why. When I do listen to the record, it is sort of an it, it, it sort of floats on by, not in a bad way, you know. Um, but it does have the sort of laconic, sort of just not not quite optimistic, but not quite pessimistic. So it has this ambivalent feel 
So it does sort of fit with the record to me, but yeah, just there's something about it that doesn't quite stir up in me what the rest of the record does. And I can't, I don't have a good answer for why he would have put this on, but you know, I know Ben Keith is on it, uh, yeah. who was someone who's playing with a lot of the time. And um, maybe that was enough for him to sort of just be endeared to it. You know, I think my, my biggest issue with this and, and cause I do like the song. I really like the birds version is the the electric piano is just way too high in the mix. That is that's true. And, it, and I think that for me it kind of distracts a little bit for the, for the for for me really really liking this song. Cuz I like the birds. Uh, I'll be honest, I like the birds version better than this one. And I I like the song how it starts out. I mean, I especially love that the electric piano when it first at the beginning of the song and then you add in the steel guitar but one thing I noticed is, except for a couple of songs, uh, maybe even just walk on, there's always this WTF moment in all these songs where uh, it starts to honey slide away from them. And they and without a producer, he, he doesn't have anybody to tell him, hey, why don't we take the bongos out of this? Or, hey, maybe at the end of the song, when it, the rest of it's fading out, let's not start, let's not crash the party with the harmonica. I mean, there's just things that happen in each song where I feel like they could have they could have been removed and tightened up and this one it's the harmonica like there is I do believe the electric piano gets a little bit starts to get uh a little bit weird at points and also Levon Helms drumming just goes cymbal crazy towards the end it's like every uh, there's four or five songs that start to come apart at the end all right I can see that let's get some scores then so Justin yeah, I gave it a one. <laughs> Least favorite. Least favorite. On do, the you, do, do you skip this when you're listening to this record? Um, no, this is one of the records I usually do. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll either choose between, unless it's my, sometimes I, my favorite song on the record, which we'll get to, sometimes I just go straight to that and I play it. But otherwise, it's one okay. of the records where I, I, if I don't listen all the way through, I will sometimes just pick either the A side or the B side and listen through from there. But so I don't, I don't usually skip it. Uh, but I, I okay. don't particularly, I don't particularly love it. Wayne, what's your score? I gave it a four. I think it starts strong and it has lots of 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 great moments, and then it just starts to come apart. And like I say, I thought that was it. Really struck me odd that as it's it's almost it sounds like they're starting to fade out. And then he jumps in with a harmonica at the very, uh, at the last minute when there's, it just, I don't, it it was definitely a, what the f***? I was like. (laughs) All right. All right. You keep saying there's WTF moments in each of these. I tried. I I get it. I I get it. I get it. All right. Moving on. Revolution Blues. Oh, 
the first of three songs on the record that includes the word blues in the title. And so this is where you guys are going to hate me. And I, and I want you to talk me into why my score is so different than yours. So this was inspired by Charles Manson, whom Young had met back in his Canyon days. Um, there is a couple lines here that are references to Manson. Uh, the 10 million dune buggies, that's a reference to Manson trying to get forces in the desert to carry out his uh, his race war. And I feel like the lyrics are written from the point of view from Charles Manson. Is that is yeah. that accurate? Absolutely. Definitely feel okay. that way to me. All right. So are we celebrating that or what that I don't I don't think I don't think he's celebrating it to me. The part what what I liked about it, I guess what I liked about it most was musically it's tighter and heavier than most of the other stuff on here or anything else on here. But I I don't watch scary movies, but it's it to me it's like that when because I I don't like to be I'm not necessarily into being scared, but musically I like something that's darker and more bold. Like he, this is 1974. He he gets inside the mind of a maniacal narcissistic cult leader, and that's that's controversial and it's got to be a little bit dangerous even. And he puts this on and and goes into this nihilistic, anarchistic, apocalyptic you know, rant that, that it never repeats. None of there, nothing repeats. So there's no chorus bridge. It's just this one, which gives it this feeling of momentum as he goes through it. And, uh, I, I just, like I say, I thought it was, it's interesting. And like I say, it's dark and it is. And this also is 1974. This is not terribly long after the Tate LaBianca murder. So it's once again, he's kind of, you know, he's like, poking at a at an open wound a little bit which is brave yeah it's brave and it and it, it had to have been scary like you say and it definitely it's it's it it scares me it really it's it it, it not in a it doesn't scare me but it gives me you know the, it's cringeworthy it's, yeah i mean yeah it's like whew, you know you can't believe it and he get he he like a like like a like a show like mind hunter like a, like any of those you know, any true crime thing you really just gets in the mind of a killer and it's like you're spending it's it's and and I don't think definitely think it's celebratory. I think it's more documenting documenting a particular vibe that was happening. You know, like so much of the sixties was documented as peace and love and all this and that, but there was this dark thing happening. And I think this is one of the you know, outside of the stones, this is one of the few songs that really sort of captures that thing that was happening at that time as as well. Yeah, and I think that that's where I I struggled with my score because I don't care if you re, you had respected you know Manson as a musician. I just don't. I'm not understanding why you want to give him any additional coverage or notoriety to the guy, and and yet here we are, 50 years later, talking about Manson still. I mean, he's he's gone, but yet there is that, that notoriety. There's still that, that gloom. And, you know, Justin, as you, you said, there was, there was that part of the vibe of the seventies. It wasn't all just peace and love. There was, 
there was some sympathies for the devil going on during Absolutely. that time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I don't think you guys talked me out of my score. Well, man, come on. This is the groove. How do you, how do you, the gro- leave, leave on and Rick Danko. Yeah. Get this is the groove musically, on oh. yeah. musically, this is as tight as this album gets. Okay. They really, they, this one, I can say if there is a WTF moment in this, it's the Laurel Canyon verse, because that's not only where I think he lived, but like all his folk rock, buddies lived and you know and and steven stills has got to be the one he's got an issue with because that's the only member of crosby stills national young that's not on this record so uh and i just thought that was that was a definitely a like oh my goodness like he's talking about killing famous people in cars in Laurel Canyon, where all his folk rock buddies live. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and I want to say, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's including himself in this when you think about it. And you know, um, David Crosby, for instance, everyone really kind of gets freaked out by the Manson thing, especially people. You know, a lot of these people had met him or kind of been in, in around his him and his his you know people or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but you know, some people's reaction to this, like David Crosby's reaction, was to to get a gun, right, and be super paranoid. And I, I think Neil, like most things in his life, he probably was feeling the same sort of way, paranoid, confused, a little nervous, scared. And instead of going to get a gun like Crosby, though, he just decides, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put it into a song. I feel like almost everything else in his life, you know, just putting it into a song. And I think that's what he did here. It's like he was kind of exercising his own sort of nerves about the whole situation, you know. Yeah, I don't think Crosby liked the fact that they – uh, resurrected this song for uh, one of those reunion tours that they did, right? So the 74 tour, Neil, the, you know, the big CSNY 74 tour, Neil dusted this off a few times and, and played it. And yeah, I, I don't think he, he dug it because he was pretty, pretty paranoid about the whole situation. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, and I like, I like, I, I like, um, kind of violent as it is and and, and, and and gross because it is violent. I do like some of the, the lines in here are just so bleak. I mean, it's just great writing if this is your kind of thing. Um, um, if I could pick out a couple of things here. Um, I mean, just a line like we got 25 rifles just to keep the population down. That, that kind of just stops you in your tracks. You're like, what? Like, that's just, how can you talk that way? You know, like, um, um, so you be good to me and I'll be good to you in this land of conditions. I'm not above suspicion. I won't attack you, but I won't back you. Yeah. Uh, like just, just all like, just, I mean, um, another one that I, that I, you know, the, the whiny dog. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, it's oh, rough. Yeah. Rough. And I hope you get the connection cause I can't take the rejection. I won't deceive you. I just don't believe you, man. It's just, there's just lines in here that just. This is some of the, beyond the song being tight. I mean, this is just some of his tightest writing, I think, too. Yeah, and I like how it, it begins with this. You know, we're the we're living on a trailer on the outskirts of town. To that, to the visual of these ten million doom buggies coming down the mountain in this apocalyptic, you know, uh, event. It's just like I say, from beginning to end, I thought it was well written and uh, well well played. Absolutely. All right, well, let's get some scores. I'll throw mine out first. So I gave this a four. And Wayne, what you got? I gave it an eight. I just, I, I couldn't shake it. Okay. I, and then I, I gave it an eight also. It's my favorite. Okay. All right. Well, just so you know, 
since this is both your favorites, my four did not tank your your scores from <laughs> this being our our uh, our top score for the record. So, spoiler oh, alert on that. <laughs> I got to say one one thing as I listen, I've listened to it more and more and more and more and more and more and more. In the last couple of years, I've noticed a weird, like almost synth flute thing that happens in the mix. Have you guys heard this? Did you guys hear it at all when you were listening? No. Uh, I didn't. Ah, it's like right after. I want to say it's coming out of like the second verse. Um, there's like this weird like arpeggiated, and it's like it's it's buried in there. Like they maybe tried to cover it, or it just got left in on accident or something. But it's like this weird arpeggiated flute sound that I'm pretty sure was coming off of like a a synthesizer of some sort or or whatever sort of. I don't know if they you know some sort of. P- the electric piano thing. Um, well, I'll I'll one, I'll try one. and find that and and splice that into the the mix here. Yeah, that's my one nitpick with the song. Uh, okay, at, at this point, and I, it took me years to to even hear it. Yeah, it took me a pono. It took me a pono player to ever hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it Neil would be happy to hear that comment. I really have a pono, so. <laughs> Do you? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to For the Turnstiles. Under the white sheets for the great unveiling at the big parade. You can really learn a lot that way. It will change you in the middle of the day. Though you're Justin, you had brought up Ben Keith's name uh, earlier. Um, so harmony vocals on this. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely Ben Keith. Um, what do you think of the sequencing going from Revolution Blues to this song? Because it sounds like this song sounds more like um, a song that could have come off of Harvest, you know, with its countrified tendencies. Um, so cool with the sequencing yeah it didn't it didn't bother me i yeah i didn't notice anything strange about it like i say i like uh this it's it is interesting because from something that's so full with you know a rhythm guitar and a lead guitar and you know all the keyboards and the drums and then to go to something that's just that's so sparse and almost even almost like bluegrass uh it's just two guys with a with a dobro and a banjo guitar uh it was it was an interesting change yeah, I'm, I'm I'm of two minds when it comes to sequencing. I either like something that kind of blends into the next thing, or I like something that's just like a complete hard turn. And this is a complete hard turn, and for me, it works. It might have made more sense. I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people probably would like to hear maybe Vampire Blues coming out of Revolution Blues. Um, might kind of fit the vibe. Probably fits a bit better. But I, I do like the hard turn out of Revolution Blues back. You know, into. It, you know, into like a more of a countrified sort of sound. Yeah. And really, and really, and really a, a sparse sound. So I'm just going to throw this out. This is my least favorite song on the record. Really? And it's, it, a lot of it has to do with, I just, I'm not real keen hmm. on Neil's vocals on this one. You know, knocks on Neil on a regular basis is his vocals. Yeah. 
Well, and I and I I think that's why I don't have a problem with this. I don't have high expectations of his vocals. He has a certain sound, and it's kind of raggedy and all over the place. And that's that's Neil Young. To me, the biggest thing, because obviously I'm limited in my in my, you know what I what I've listened to of Neil Young and uh, the stuff off of Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, where he works with Danny Witten, and Danny Witten has a very complimentary voice to his. I don't think Ben Keith is much of a singer, and if there's anything on here that could have been either changed or, you know, hey, David Crosby was in another session. Let's get him back here. I mean, let's get somebody to harmonize with him because Ben yeah. Keith is not strong. He's a great, you know, guitar player and a dobro player. And I like, I do like this song. And this is one of the songs that I like for the images and the themes. I mean, this is, this is, I think it really kicks in in the last verse where he has the baseball analogy. Um, this is about the people who turn the turnstiles and these fans. And it, it got me, you know, the, this, the idea that it's only a couple hours for you to go watch the ball game or watch the show, but this is this these are the artist's life. This is the ball player is you know he's 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 you know he's sacrificing himself out here on this field. This isn't a game to him. This is his, this is how he feeds his kids. And the line about you know they just at the end of the at the end of the game uh, the stands empty and they they head for the turnstiles. I thought it was a real uh, powerful and interesting message. Yeah. Okay. I, this is my lowest. Um, I, and I struggled between this and the next song, whether or not I wanted this to be my lowest or the next song, but yeah. So, uh, Wayne, what's your score? I give it a five. I like to say, I enjoyed the sparseness of it. Uh, I just don't know that I was super high on Ben Keith as a singer. There you go. And Justin, I gave it a two. I like this. I mean, you know, it's my favorite album, so I love the song. But yeah, it's it's um, maybe not always a two in my mind, but to, today today it is. You know, slow it down. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not skipping this song, even though I I say that this is a one because we do talk about some records where the lowest score is like absolutely if this comes on again i'm totally yep. skipping it i'm not skipping no. this song so even though it's my lowest so and and one last one last comment on it in a way even though it, it sonically it is a complete departure from revolution blues it it does sort of just have this kind of um um abrasive vibe to it you know and some of that comes from the sparseness of it and some of that comes from that you know he, uh it's neil singing in all of his sort of neil glory you know he, he does have a particular style like you guys are saying it and and coming from ben keith not being much of a singer um so it does have a kind of this weird r- really just kind of erratic vibe to it that 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 sort of created from 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 that so anyways got it all right Next song is Vampire Blues.
this definitely is a an attack on the oil industry, sucking blood from the earth. Uh, I'm a vampire babe. I'll sell you tw- twenty barrels worth. I don't know the the lyrics on this. You go from some some really um, heavy lyrics to this one where it's a little more tongue in cheek. Um, I don't know. Uh, I it's okay. Uh, not not one of his better better songs. And it here here's where I struggled with with whether or not I wanted to make this my lowest score was. I know Neil has a reputation of having lots of vehicles and older vehicles, which are gas guzzlers. So do we, do we care about the hypocrisy or is he, or is he kind of telling on himself? Is he calling himself out on this, on this song as well? Yeah, I don't think he's calling himself out, dude, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wayne, what do you, what do you I, think? You know what? And the, like I say, one of the note, my notes is that one of the things that I don't like about it is that it's so blatantly obvious what he's talking about. I mean, he usually is a lot more uh, mysterious and there's a lot more of, uh, you know, cle- you know, cleverness, if you will, to it. And this is straight up, not, you know, anybody can figure out what he's talking about. I, to me, the reason this isn't my lowest score is because when it works, it, 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 I feel like there's a lot of potential here. It's the one song with the word blues in it that actually is a bluesy song, but it has so many things. Like I say, I read about the, the honey slides and they were, they were all over this, they're honey sliding all over the place. I'm there at the end. There's this, it's, I think it's a bass solo, but I don't, it sounds like he can't get his bass to work then there's a there's a part, part the organ the organ looks like it's feels, sounds like it's playing a different song like it's in another room doing something else and the, the 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 sound bleeded through to the mix it doesn't i mean and then there's i think an electric the electric tambourine shows up at the very last minute i don't i mean there's just a lot of things yeah. that somebody should a producer would have said hey neil that's fun let's cut the, let's let's lose this let's tighten this up because it, when it the ba- the bass and the guitar and the drums in the, you know, kind of in the main part of the song is really tight and super bluesy. And I feel like there was a lot that could have been done here. And I guess I, I scored it on potential more than execution. And you keep, Wayne, you, you, you mentioned, this is the second time you mentioned, uh, you, you know, Wayne, you mentioned honey slides here and, 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 you know, we should say honey slides were a particular way that they were preparing weed uh, during this, these sessions. And they say that it kind of gave like a, a, a heroin type of high less of like a uh, you know just like a normal weed high and this song absolutely sounds like they were all on heroin yeah. <laughs> like it really does and uh and even though the song is lazy it's kind of why i like it the songwriting feels a bit lazy they all feel a bit lazy on the song and part of it almost it feels a little if part of it feels a little punk rock to me you know without being a punk rock song <laughs> at all you know but it just feels like why i you know absolutely you're right Wayne. that's like wayne uh i mean there's a thousand ways to do this better, but it somehow just works for me. Okay. Well, let's get some scores. Like I said, uh, I fluctuated between this being my top song or my, my lowest song and my second lowest. So I ended up sticking with my two Wayne, your score. I gave it a three. And then Justin, I also gave it a three. So let's, uh, let's flip the record over. And this is on the beach. Are meaningless. I don't make them go away. 
a crowd of people But I can't face them day to day And uh, one thing that I had read earlier, and now I can't find the source, is that when this was reissued or done on CD, I can't remember which, but the sequencing was different where he had this side actually being side A because he liked it better. Anybody ever, I, anybody else? Yeah, that's, that? that's in Wikipedia too. It's at the end. Somebody, I can't remember the name of the okay. guy who talked him into to flipping it at the last minute. Uh, this is second longest song on the record, clocking in just shy of seven minutes at six and 59 seconds. And I would say that I think the biggest criticism that Neil's had over the years outside of his voice is the length of his songs. So what do you guys think about the length of the song? Because it worked for me on certain listens, and today... Like, if you can't tell, I'm a little under the weather, so my patience is not at its finest. So I listened to the record today, and I was a little pissed off of how long it was. <laughs> I love it every time, man. I, I put this song – if I put this song on, it doesn't matter if I want to listen to the full song or not. I'm listening to the full, you know, nearly seven minutes of it. Um, and it's, it's the okay. song that kind of sealed it for me when I I remember when I first discovered this record. Uh, you know, it was a uh, it was summer, but it was rainy. I was driving through a canyon to the beach, and uh, and and this song did come on, and it just put me in the, and it just hypnotized me. You know, um, the it it, I, it it to me the strength is is that it's long because it just sort of. Once you get in, it sort of just puts it hooks it. It put it puts its hooks in you and kind of just pulls you along with it, you know, and kind of lulls you through it. Um, again, feels very much like a song you you might create if you're using heroin or something, you know. You, I mean, it, you, it sound, he sounds like he's nodding off during it, but somehow that becomes the appeal of the song, um, at least to me. Yeah, and so Justin, you've you've talked to way more famous people than we have, uh, considering your your job and how often do you see the whole contrast of where I see this, this song is where it's you're chasing fame, you find the fame and then you realize that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. So, you know, did, did, do you, how often do you see that in, in, in your line of work? Oh man, I don't, I don't know many, I mean, any of the people that are, you know, whatever famous that I, I'm actually friendly with don't seem to, you know, think so much of it. Um, and actually, you know, Outliers, Malcolm's book, Outliers, was essentially a, re- a reaction to him becoming successful, you know. He had become successful yeah. off his, you know, uh, you know, th- he'd become really popular and successful through his, 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 his work at The New Yorker and his first book, and, and it felt weird to him, and so he kind of, went to figure out what is success and wrote outliers and um it seems like every artist at some point has some sort of whether they're a writer or musician or whatever has some sort of you know piece of work that is a reaction to their fame and grappling with it do i like it and what is it and why me um yeah yeah. i i need that crowd of people but i can't face them day to day yeah 
Well, and I like the self-awareness of the, the lines right after that. Though my problems are meaning, meaningless, that doesn't make them any less real. I mean, just because it's hard to grasp the idea of not of not you know liking being famous, it still is. It's still an issue, even even if it doesn't make sense to you. So I like the self-awareness of it all. It has brilliant parts. I just to me, this is one of this is the song that felt longer a lot of it has to do with the pace but there's like i don't know it just didn't seem very fluid it didn't it it, it got clunky at parts but I, I i mean it just i, I some of the some of it's brilliant and then the rest of it just fell short because and then it just milked at the end and then there's the bongos what are what in the hell is going on like intermittently <laughs> ben key starts playing the bongos like somebody i just feel like there's somebody needed to say hey Hey, honey, slide your ass out of here. And take your bongos with you. We're we're gonna we're gonna let's cut that out. And then because they had to be in the mix high too, because somebody just because they recorded all these weird sounds, they didn't have to put them into the record. They could have cut them. Yeah. Well, I, I I still I still maintain that this song doesn't work though. If it's shorter, if it's if it's three minutes and fifty seconds or three minutes and thirty seconds, I just don't think it works. Yeah, but there's a long way between three minutes and fifty seconds and seven minutes. I mean, I feel like they it. it to me, and it, to me, it was just the pacing. Like, it has a slower pace, and which made it unfortunately feel longer than it is. Because this, I, I, the last song in here is over eight minutes, I think, and it didn't feel like eight minutes. This felt every bit of seven minutes and then some. To me, yeah, I was just gonna say, hold, hold that thought on the long song because this isn't even the longest one on the. It's record, not, so. but I mean, I don't know. For me, like you know. Um, if I throw on like uh, you know, like some Indian music or some you know some Alice Coltrane, where she's obviously kind of you know, in her uh, you know, Bhagavad Gita sort of inspirational sort of moments there, um, it sort of has that same effect on me as those sort of records do, where it's like you know, twelve minutes of like the same sounds over and over again. Something about me, I really, yeah. I something about me, I really, I I can really appreciate that when when done in a particular way. Other times, yeah, it can absolutely drive you nuts. All right. One one last question that I have for you on the lyrics. So the whole verse about going to the radio interview <laughs> and ending up alone at the yeah. microphone. What what prompted those lyrics? Does anybody know what the what the story is, is behind there a real that? story? I thought it to me it felt and I don't know any real stories. To me, it felt like neat. that was another self-aware moment where he's he maybe alienated the interviewer. And it was, or either he didn't feel that they were worthy of being there asking him questions, or he, ate, you know, he he was belligerent and up and upset him, and they ran off. And the next thing you know, he's just sitting there by himself. Is the is the vision that it kind of put into my mind? Well, I hope he didn't feel that way after the Marin interview, because <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Neil is one of those people. I want, I met him another time outside of the time I met him at a studio. I met him at um, he came into my work when I was at NPR, and. Uh, he absolutely just, you know, the guy is in his own world. You know, <laughs> like he, he, yeah. I, I feel alone in a crowd of people. I absolutely understand how he could feel that way because I mean, it just you can tell when you see him. You're like, oh yeah, he's just he's in his world. You know, like he's a Neil world. Um, and some of that might have to do with the, you know, there's been you know, spec, you know, a lot. Some people close to him, or at least I've read through different things, feel like it has to do with his. Uh, his 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 seizures that he was having in the in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. 
possible possible epilepsy. Too, yeah. I don't know, something yeah. like that. But all right, let's get some scores. Wayne, this is my least favorite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin, my second favorite. I gave it a seven. <laughs> yeah, and I give this a six. I I dig this song. Um, all right, next song Almost is Motion Pictures for Carrie. Bore me now. I'm deep inside myself, but I'll get out somehow, and I'll stand before you, and I'll bring a smile. And this is a song written for his girlfriend, Carrie Snodgrass. Um, Wayne, we've already talked about Harvest. There's a song about Carrie on that. That would be A Man Needs a Maid. Um, I'm not sure of the whole timeline of events since Carrie's wiki page said that she and Neil split in 1974. So I'm not sure if this song was recorded before or after the split. Can we really tell by the lyrics not so much the lyrics but the sat i mean the melancholy in his voice i mean i know that the steel the the slide guitar only kind of amplifies it but there's definitely if it's not the end he he senses it because there's a there's there's definitely a melancholy in this that i that i really uh, enjoyed okay justin uh any, any idea about the timeline of events there um I, or do we care? No, I mean, you know, I, I, I definitely, I, the, you know, once they started living together up on, uh, you know, on his ranch up in Northern California, it, it, I, it was pretty apparent to Neil this wasn't going to work, you know, the things between them. So I think it was kind of a long sort of slow uh, demise for the two of them. Um, so it could have been a good, it could have been written a couple of years before even, you know, um, yeah. it would have remained as true. Uh, somebody help me with the lyrics of one section. He talks about the dew is falling, the ducks are calling. Yes, I've got mine. Well, dew, do, what's, dew doesn't what's fall. the mine? It's condensation. It, does, it doesn't fall, which that actually <laughs> always bothered me, and I wasn't going to say anything until you did that. Um, <laughs> but no, sometimes dew falls. Uh, you know, it might fall from one leaf to another, but it's condensation. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fall. It's not rain. But once again, I was gonna let it go if it hadn't came up. But that did that did bother me. And this segment of the podcast sponsored by Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Appreciate that. And to me, the one that makes it feel like a breakup is is the is the verse towards the end where he says, uh, "And I'll I'll get there somehow. I'll stand before you, and I'll bring your uh, a smile to your eyes," which I thought was an interesting. Because anybody, you know, a smile to your face is easily recognizable, but you would have to really know somebody to tell if their eyes were smiling. So I felt like that, that was a cool, a really cool line. But I also yeah. feel like, I don't know if that line, because the, from the two preceding lines, while those headlines, they just bore me now. I'm deep inside myself, but I'll get out somehow and I'll stand before you and I'll bring a smile to your eyes. I don't know if Neil's ever getting out of himself to do this stuff. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> so I feel, almost feel like it's like, well, you know, she wants him to be something and he's just not going to be it, but he's promising, yeah, I'll get out of myself and do But I don't think that's happening. Did anybody else read that she was actually approached for the part of Adrian in Rocky and she turned it down yes. and they actually – Sylvester Stallone was willing to give her all of the little bit money of money that he was going to make, and she still turned it down to do a movie that never came out. Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was she turned it down to take care of her son. I heard she did something called like Buffalo Bill and the Indians, and it never even it never even got released. Oh, oh man, interesting. That's a, that's a tough break. <laughs> yeah, they made like <laughs> ten of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the the poor choices that we make in our lives. Okay. Um, should we get some scores on this? Yeah. So Wayne, I gave it a seven. There's, uh, I, I just enjoy, I did enjoy the way, like I say that, that coupling of his melancholy vocals and the, the, the slide guitar and then, uh, you know, a breakup and op- is what it felt like to me. And, you know, I've had a, I've had a couple of those. So the lyrics about the dude wasn't a deal breaker. You know what? I just try is uh, I I told myself I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. If you honey had, slide, if you hadn't right? mentioned honey it, slide. I wouldn't have. Got a honey, honey slide. I was gonna slide. honey slide right around it. Yeah. All right, uh, Justin, what you got? I gave it a five. I wanted to give it a six. I maybe regret my five, but I'm, I'm ga- I did give it a five. All right, then I'm matching your five. And let's close this out. This is Ambulance Blues. I guess I'll call it sickness gone. It's hard to say the meaning of this song. An ambulance can only go so fast. It's easy to get buried in the past. Try to make a good thing last So should we revisit our conversation about long songs? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this uh, this clock's in at eight minutes fifty seven seconds. Uh, too long or not long enough? Perfect. Perfect. You know, in a way, yeah, in a, in a way it could have been if it's because uh, the thing I like about it is, and I'm not a neophyte, and I so there's a lot of references in there I think I don't understand, but I love this. This It's like a time, he's like telling this, you know, his whole life's tale from, you know, from basically of his career. You know, the the, the riverboat is a, was in Yorkville. It was like, which like was the center of the counterculture in Canada where all these, you know, Gordon Lightfoot and Joni Mitchell and all these folk guy, Canadian folk people played through the Isabella is apparently a boarding house that he lived in with Rick James that, that was torn down and turned into something else. So I, I hear, I love, I'm a history guy anyway. And so I love this big epic tale of his life, even one of the references that I don't understand. So it, it felt yeah, like it could have been who's Mother Goose. I think it's Carrie because it mentions taking care of the children. That was what uh, that's what I took from it. Yeah, I think it is. You know, she's on the skids. Yeah, I think I think that's she, she went happy. Neither neither are the kids. You know, I, I think that's I think it's Carrie. Yeah, it says something about someone. She needs someone to make her feel bad or somebody else to make her feel bad. <laughs> 
So what about the uh, the verse about the seeing in the entertainment section that there's room at the top, um, you know, for private detection and mom and dad, this just doesn't matter, but it's either that or pay off the kidnapper. I have no idea what I he's didn't, talking about. I didn't, but it sounded anymore. so cool. I, I was like, I, I, I assumed that somebody might know about it, but I, I didn't know. I couldn't put the analogy all together, but I just liked the way it came out. Yeah, same. I don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, same with the line, and it's some of my favorite lines, and I don't even think they necessarily <laughs> make sense. Um, but uh, I'd never buy, sell, borrow, or trade anything to be like one of them. That was in the previous yeah. song, wasn't it? Was it? No. Oh, I think. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's in the. Yeah, we well we started talking about Carrie, so they're they're you went yeah, to that sorry. reference. Bye, bye, bye. No, but that was a, no, that was gonna, that is a that is a cool way of saying I I would rather go back to the beginning where I had nothing than do it your way, which I think is a very Neil Young uh, thing to say. Yeah. That was that was a great yeah. verse. Well, and and then of course the 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 famous story in regards to the the verse here, and there ain't nothing like a friend who can tell you you're just pissing <laughs> in the wind, and that's famously attributed to Young's yeah. manager, bas- basically saying, you know, why aren't you with Crosby, Stills, and Nash? You guys are just pissing this away. You're you're stupid for you know putting out these solo records that aren't really charting all that much. You should just go back with the, with the, the rest of the guys. Elliot Roberts, man. Nothing like Elliot. Yeah. So one thing that, that took me down a wormhole. So in a 1992 interview, young talked about Bert Janish's and I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. So Bert Janish and his influence on the on the, the song because he said that for acoustic guitar, Bert is on the same level as Jimmy. And so I, I started listening to Bert Janish. I, I went to Wikipedia. I was only vaguely familiar with his name. I guess he was somewhat of a legend in the UK, but wasn't really widely known here in the, in the States, but influenced a ton of people. And this song, as Young mentioned, you know, the style is modeled, modeled after Bert. So why have I never seen a documentary or some kind of celebration of Bert's music? Listen, it's it's coming, man. They're, they, they're getting docs prepared on everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, Justin, sounds like time for a deep dive on Broken Record or Revisionist History about Bert Janish. We've been, yeah, yeah. We're, Rick and I have talked about doing something about British folk and, and, and how can we explore it. And um, Yeah, well, he would definitely be a part of that. All right. Well, he's amazing. just give me credit for suggesting it to you. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so my question also for the, the, the rest of this song is this feels more like a tonight's the night song to me. And I'm, it does. and I'm, and I'm cool with that. So is this, is this song about Danny and Bruce, both of those individuals had died of, of over, drug overdoses before this was written. So is, is he kind of lamenting all of this and the whole ambulance blues is, you know, them being uh, driven away. 
Well, my my thinking of it, I mean, because I looked at it as this very epic telling of his of kind of his career and his life from that point in, in, when he got into music. Uh, ambulances take you to they go from one tragedy to the next is the way it, it felt to me. It was like ambulances are never going to a place where good things have happened or taking or, you know, they're always they're going from one tragedy to the next one, you know, one bad situation maybe make it better and go to another bad situation. Yeah. I always connected it to Bruce and Danny too, but I like, I like, uh, I like your thinking on that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's good. Um, all right, let's get some scores. So this is my favorite song on the record. I've always dug this song. This has always, always been a good one. Wayne, your score. I gave it a six and I agree. There's, there's a, there's just an, there's just this really larger than life quality about it. And, even though it has, there's a number of of musical things that I think probably could have been. Uh, I don't think his harmonica solo was it was well placed uh, as opposed to the one in uh, "See the Sky About to Rain," but it wasn't his. I mean, I've heard him really, I mean, nail the harmonica, and this this didn't sound like his top his top stuff. But uh, but that it's just the the larger than life theme and this big epic picture you know coming up on a on the big screen and then like i say it didn't feel eight minutes it 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 went by quickly okay and then justin your score gave it a four all right so that's it did we did we cover it did we miss anything on this record (laughs) no no we 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 covered it man so it's it's somehow an untight eight songs yeah (laughs) Uh, absolutely all right Hard to say it's a tight eight. It's it's kind of a long eight, but it's, it's, yeah, we we hit it. So um, so this is the the point where we look at our top five scores. So I already threw out that Revolution Blues was our number one. So what do you think our number two was? Uh, ambulance Blues. A- ambulance Blues. Yeah, that was yeah. strongly on my on my eight. So that get that that was an average score of six. Revolution Blues was an average score of 6.66. Motion Pictures for Carrie, that was number three. On the Beach. um, Oh, I've skipped over Walk On. Walk On was our our, uh, fourth. And then On the Beach, that ended up being our our, uh, fifth. And that was largely because you know Wayne tanked it with his uh, <laughs> yeah it's all my with his one it's all my fault <laughs> your honey your uh, honey uh, slid uh, it to number five <laughs> your honey slid it yeah exactly yeah all right I feel like my walk on six should have been I feel like motion pictures or ambulance should have been a six <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. it's it's you know what it felt harder to to rate something with so few songs because I mean even when I mean even this your second favorite song is only going to get a seven where we've done, you know, when you do something that has 12, it just felt like they were, it felt the scores felt extremely low and it just made it, I was juggling it around. I almost changed it. And then I listened to the album again and it's like, I got to let it go. I think it's, I, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm good with what I got. It's difficult when there's this few songs. It, it is. I hate to see something like ambulance blues with a four that just feels bad <laughs> it feels really bad yeah wayne you but, you texted me earlier tonight and you're like uh i've got some revised scoring and then you texted me like a half hour later and you're like never mind yeah because i was I, I texted, <laughs> yeah i did that i listened to uh i think i just listened to 
vampire blues and i'm like i gotta i gotta drop this down and then as i by the time i finished listening to the whole record i'm like you know what it's good just let it go it's yeah. good yeah <laughs> yeah well justin this was fun thanks for joining oh, yeah. us thank you guys thank you for having me i, I you know, really appreciate it and that was a lot of fun and hope we yeah. can do it again yeah ab- absolutely so um so i usually throw out this this last question to our guests and i and i I don't want you to feel as though the reason why I invited you to come on this podcast was to get to Rick or Malcolm through you. So, but I always ask, I always ask the question, who do you know that I don't know who would want to come on our podcast to talk about music? So again, no pressure. I'm not, I didn't invite you on because I wanted to get to Rick or, or Malcolm. So, um, I hope you know that we, we ask all of our guests this because we always want them to turn us on to musicians or other people that we, we don't know who would enjoy hanging out with us and talking about one of their favorite records. Huh? 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 Um, a couple, couple people come to mind. Um, you know, my friend Jason Gambrell, who helps produce the podcast with me. Okay. He, he would be great for this. Uh, he'd probably be then my number one person to put out here for yeah. this right now. Yeah, yeah, I lo- yeah, I lo- yeah, I love talking music with Jason. Cool. Um, um, maybe my friend Avi. He's a cool, he's a songwriter, guitar, guitar player okay. in Long Beach, California. Really cool guy. Um, I'd like to see what he came up with for this. Okay. Maybe the next time we uh, we have you on for, I don't know, maybe a Paul Simon record, we have one of them on with you. Would they yeah. be down? Would they be down for that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, all right. So uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our recordsrevisitedpodcast.com page. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page. We're on Instagram. As well, you can find us at Records Revisit Podcast there or the hashtag of the same name. We're also on Twitter. Um, been doing way more stuff on Twitter than I ever wanted to in the past. Um, we're at Podcast Records, but been posting all of the uh, my little morning and afternoon vinyl spins that I do since I, I work from home. So you can kind of see what uh, my mind frame, my, my mind space is for that. So, uh, and go find all of our old episodes. We're on all the major platforms and go subscribe and, and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts, go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on record store day. We are records revisited and we are out. out. You, can sink, you can sink me. You can out. sink me. It's that never, is. never <laughs> is. It's never <laughs> we're never in sync so it's all good all good oh man